Hello and welcome to the Women's Edition, the podcast which celebrates women's stories. I'm Carla and I'm joined by women who share stories about their lives, experiences and challenges. So wherever you are, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy their stories as much as I do. Hello and welcome back to the Women's Edition podcast. This week I spoke to Rosie Johnson. She's an awesome freelance illustrator from Devon who illustrates beautiful and often very funny illustrations. She's both very entertaining and inspiring. She does politics with a massive dash of humour thrown in and she's super on it when it comes to social and political commentary which is why I'm also a big fan of her work. You'll notice that I totally fangirled Rosie when she came on the podcast, poor woman. I've been a fan of Rosie's work for a few years now and her website is basically my go-to for birthday cards and presents. So as a fan, it was a joy to talk to her. She is at once very light-hearted, but also very deep, which comes across in her illustrations, but also on the podcast. I've never met Rosie and I'm so happy she said yes to coming on. I never really know what people are gonna say when I ask, when I drop in their DMs on Instagram or I email them. And I asked Rosie, not only because I'm a big fan, but because she's an illustrator, which I think is just so cool. I really wanted a maker of some sort for this last episode of this series. This time, I really wanted to talk to a creative person, someone who's physically making things, and I was thinking about who I should approach, and Rosie's name popped into my head. I actually left it a bit, because again, it's a bit odd approaching complete strangers over DMs, but um, I'm getting better at it, and very happily she said yes. So without further ado, here's the wonderful Rosie. So let's first talk about you, Rosie. Tell us a bit about yourself. Okie dokie. Um, I'm Rosie Johnson. I'm 42. I'm a Scorpio. No, that's not what you want to know, is it? Um, I have been an illustrator full-time since 2016, having been a primary school teacher for 15 years before that. Um, And I've got two children one who keeps telling me it's his seventh birthday in two weeks time and um, an 11 year old as well who's just started at secondary and um, I live in Devon with my partner and my kids and yeah that's that's the basics <laughs> brilliant so you're a freelance illustrator with your own business can you tell us how you got into illustrating and how you started the business yeah I mean it's one of those funny things I think it was just um obviously I've always really loved drawing it wasn't something that was completely alien to me anyway and even as a primary school teacher basically my most fun bits were drawing stuff making resources um doing the art with the kids and then um a friend asked me to do her wedding invitations uh to draw her and her fiance for the wedding invitations and then as those things do, that led to another wedding invitation and another and another. And I had been dabbling in doing kind of portraits and bits and pieces for people uh, for quite a while as a part-time teacher. And then in my final teaching placement was just a, um, a maternity cover. And I knew I didn't really want to apply for anything at that school beyond that. And then I just thought I'm going to give this a go and I I guess the beauty of having a teaching qualification is that you know you can do supply and do other bits and pieces to make ends meet so I wasn't too panicked about taking the leap Um, 
I thought I'll take it a school term at a time and see what happens and top it up with supply as, as needs be. And, you know, read a few books about starting a, starting businesses, didn't finish any of them. Um, spoke to a few friends, um, you know, got, got a vague idea of what I wanted to do and then just went for it. And that first September that would have been the beginning of term, um, you know, for, for every year before that, apart from the years I was on maternity leave, you know, that first of September was like, oh, right, here I go, remember how to teach. And I remember, you know, packing my son off to childcare and my daughter off to school and my partner off to his teaching job and being at home going, hee hee, this is what I'm doing for my job. And I, you know, I spent weeks doing that and I still do that to a certain extent going, hee, this is what I get to do. And I think um, not having too much of a long-term plan has really helped me because I've just thought okay I'll just see how it goes for a bit longer and a bit longer and now I realise I'm four years in going ah I can this is what I do I haven't done supply for years I don't need to do anything other than the job I'm doing so yeah it's kind of crept up on me a bit. Amazing so you were a teacher before launching your own business and I have another friend who was a primary school teacher and she said the reason she left was because the hours just got too much and it was overtaking her life do you think that's why you left? Is that? Is that yeah, that's a, that's kind of that's part of it. Definitely, I was a real career teacher. I absolutely was devoted to it. And then, um, when I had our first child, when I was thirty, we had so many complications with that pregnancy. I nearly lost the baby, and she was quite premature. And I made a lot of deals with myself about um, what my priorities would be, and <laughs> uh, you know, kind of. I promise uh, that I will definitely look after you and you will be my number one, you know, just please be, please be well enough. Um, so I kind of, in the wee small hours in the intensive care unit, kind of made the the shift, I suppose, in my head of my priority must always be this small person and it turns out the next one that comes along as well. And I think that's great and fine and I'm sure lots of people manage to do part-time teaching and parenting really successfully but because it had been, you know, everything beforehand and I used to spend all weekends making stuff and devoted to it and going into school at the weekends and all that stuff, I never quite regained that absolute joy of it um, when I returned part-time. Mainly because it just, for, I, you know, that it's the switch goes off in your brain, I think, and you just think, I, it, it isn't the be-all and end-all and I found it hard to treat it as just a job but equally, I didn't want to be spending all my waking hours devoted to that when I wanted to be with the kids. So I, I had a good kind of run up to it, a good five years of still teaching, um, feeling not quite as in it as I had done before. Um, and then, you know, it's changed quite a lot. Education's changed since I trained um, in the early 2000s. And there's less autonomy I think and I think you could kind of maybe it's just this doesn't happen to all people but um I spent the first few years of my career feeling like I was totally clueless and um you know just trying to learn from everybody and being really nervous about it and then um I spent a bit of time in New Zealand and shadowing some of their early years uh expertise out there which is amazing New Zealand's got it sorted on so many levels and came back all kind of gung-ho and then spent the next few years of my teaching career really feeling like I not wasn't nailing it I never feel like that but I knew what I was doing and I was so excited about doing it and 
a combination of you know having had children different priorities and also feeling like I'm not sure if that's the way nationally that education's going at the moment and hopefully it will swing back that way again where um, play and dispositions of learning and stuff become more at the forefront but it was it's certainly in the last few years of my teaching um, you know there's a lot of emphasis on can they do this and can we tick these boxes and are, the, are we getting them to know all of their letter sounds and uh, all of that's important but I just think you've got to get kids ready and willing to learn before you um, pile on the content but yeah I fell out of love with it I guess. So with life now what does life look like as a freelance illustrator? Well um, I work from home I was working in the little shed at the bottom of our garden um, but that's a bit too small so I have now taken over our sort of spare room office bit which is also to be honest too small partly to do with me being incredibly untidy and partly just because the business is starting to grow so um, I'm packed into this little downstairs office um, once the kids are in normal times at school obviously not at the moment um, I have a school day to work in essentially which isn't very long as I'm sure lots of people know um, and I like to have sort of three or four projects on the go I tend to flit a little bit between things or I get a real passion for doing something focus on that for a few days and then I like to have a couple of other things going on so I have um, various design jobs try and keep up with uh, the old social media Instagram in particular and that um, lovely community on there um, so I'll be uh, doing a bit of the, the proper paid work in the morning and then making sure I've got something lined up to post about or um, bang on about on there and then um, I try to get all of my orders done in a kind of set period before I then go and pick up my son post along the way um, so it sort of follows a, a pretty simple pattern like that and I find I'm quite focused which I was when I first went into it a little bit worried that I wouldn't be having been you know in a a standard workplace career before then uh, never worked for myself before um, I was kind of worried that I'd be sitting in my pants watching Loose Women I mean I've never watched Loose Women why would I suddenly start watching Loose Women but I just thought oh but maybe I'll want to watch telly all day but I'm weirdly disciplined actually I don't even think about it I do listen to podcasts and audiobooks and um, music sometimes but I just work I just I think it comes from absolutely loving what you're doing it doesn't feel like a chore. The funny thing is all the women who own their own businesses on the podcast have all said that. So what are the joys and challenges of working for yourself? Uh, I mean, the joys obviously are that you're your own boss and you get to set the agenda and I can follow the things that interest me and I um, have a passion for. I love that. I suppose that's the challenge as well is because you're your own boss, you don't get... Um, any time off from your own head so uh, you know I think if I was working for anybody else they'd let me have way more tea breaks than I allow and um, there's probably some European working time directive that I'm breaking almost every day um, but I th yeah seriously I think the challenges are are obvious in the sense of not knowing always not knowing what your monthly income is going to be so there's that continual feeling of right what's the next thing what's the next thing and I don't feel even now four years and I don't feel 
comfortable enough with the pattern of the year to know that it's okay if I have a a low January or whatever and um, it will pick up I, st I still do that sort of panicky oh my goodness I'm you know no one's ever going to buy from me again I'm rubbish I can't draw anything so I have to have a word with myself quite a lot it's getting easier each year because I can see it does follow a pattern and I know now that you plan um, Christmas in July <laughs> and <laughs> yeah and, and it's basically then it runs itself much better and you maximise all those sort of seasonal things and you allow yourself to be a bit more chilled out in the summer because you know your big times for selling are are, are set really by the calendar so um I, i'm getting to the point where i'm allowing myself to be a bit freer with it and just have more down times and see that as a blessing and not a curse yeah i bought one of your mother's day cards yesterday yay thanks Carla there's <laughs> <laughs> the one about um now I'm a parent mm -hmm. I can totally understand <laughs> yeah that's been my absolute best seller ever and it's I think maybe because it's from the heart as well and it is exactly what I say to my mum of like oh, I get it now thank you how are you how are you so good at this I'm so sorry for everything I did before <laughs> please tell me everything yeah it's um it's definitely, I mean, being a parent's definitely the hardest of all the jobs I've ever had. <laughs> oh, totally. Absolutely. <laughs> and what advice do you have for women listening who might be thinking of starting their own business? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's loads of absolutely brilliant books and podcasts and audiobooks and stuff um, with tons of ace advice. The, the creative industry that I'm in... Um, there's a community called the Indie Roller. I don't know if you've heard of oh, yeah. them. Um, and Leona, who who set that up, is an independent creative business owner herself. And it's set up as a, a subscription model and it's got amazing support. So it's community support and she sets up all these brilliant workshops about, um, you know, marketing and business strategy and all of that. And that has been incredibly useful Um and a, and a really good thing to do. So I guess whatever industry you're going into or whatever, however you're setting up your business, I would look for that. So community is key always. Um, find the other people in your area that are doing something similar and learn from them because there's no such thing as, you know, you know you're not doing an original thing, setting up your own business. You, it'll be unique to you, but there will be plenty of commonalities. So you can um, learn from the people around you. But then the flip side of that is, at some point just go for it because like I said before you know I, I started to read a load of books before um, I went for it and then I just thought oh do you know what I'm just gonna do it because nothing like mistakes to help you learn really and and crack on and then and then know that you're gonna be years and years and years into it making mistakes learning from them not doing it like that again making a new mistake learning from that not doing it like that again and so on and so on and that's totally cool and how everyone does it I think Moving on to talk about this last year, which has been like no other. We've had the pandemic and now the UK has their third lockdown. Have you evolved the business at all? Have you had to do things differently? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, uh, throughout the year, lots of the places where I would stock my work have closed because they've been non-essential businesses. Um, so any of that revenue that was just ticking along from my wholesale to shops, uh, just instantly overnight closed down um, so 
I had to move, I mean a lot of my stuff is online anyway and always has been, but uh, it's solely online so it's all kind of, ah oh, right this is down to me now. <laughs> um, and that's a relatively simple process because I had a website, had an Etsy shop, my website's got a shop as well and it's just a question of you know ramping up the, the PR for it. Um, I joined Thoughtful, the um, independent card marketplace thing which I'm sure lots of people know about which actually I I had heard of and I'd seen a lot of advertising for I didn't really put two and two together that I could actually be on there but it's been a real lifesaver this year because um, as a designer you know you put you upload your design and then they do all of the stuff they print it they post it pack it um, which as a kind of one woman band I can't do uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of orders a day but they can so there's no limit to the number of people that can buy my card from them um, and I get the industry standard you know amount as my design fee and it's and it's lovely because it's a bit of passive income just ticking over in the background and I can carry on doing working at the level that I was working at I suppose that's going back to your question before about the challenges upscaling a business of when you're one person is is kind of tricky because you are um, you know there's only so many hours in the day and I'm getting better at being super fast and efficient with my ordering process and I've got a little label printer and all of that stuff and I'm all hooked up to the systems but I still can only literally pack what I can pack without um, without asking for extra help which during a pandemic is not ideal um, and I think a lot, a lot of my uh, business the sort of front face of my business is my social media output um, and whereas before I before the pandemic kind of kicked in I was in the middle of the March Meet the Maker um, Instagram challenge which is a lovely yearly uh, creative business challenge loads of behind the scenes photos um, processes and that kind of thing and sort of got midway through that I was posting about here's my eco packaging and then kind of the news was bombarding us all wasn't it last March if this is happening now and, and we need to do something about it and I for the first time just abandoned that challenge and thought I I kind of want to draw and write about what's going on and I think that might be what's more important to me whether or not it makes me any money so um, I kind of switched it a bit and certainly the during the first lockdown just really focused on communicating with people and trying to put out relatable content for other people who are maybe struggling and um, finding it all a bit much and obviously when um, George Floyd was murdered and the Black Lives Matter movement really came to the forefront of everyone's minds and the news I just found myself like way more interested in, in exploring that and talking about anti-racism and um, white privilege and stuff and that even though that didn't really relate to the things you could buy from my shop necessarily just felt more important so I, I suppose having the pandemic kind of was a bit of a shake to think oh actually this is kind of what I want my business to be about even if it's not directly a source of income it is very much who I am and what I'm interested in and then it turns out that you just gather more people like that around you and they happen to want to buy your stuff anyway it felt like a very different uh, process for the business but really organic and um right i suppose yeah that's amazing uh, th my next question was you know where do you find inspiration for illustrations because there's this like fairly political 
um, quite a lot of the time. And is that so? That was a conscious decision. I've yeah. I mean, I've always been interested in politics, and um, I think sometimes when you when you say to people when they're like, "Oh, what what are you interested in?" You say, "Oh, you know, politics, feminism." They're like, "Oh God," <laughs> you know. And it is um, deliberately, I think, painted as this boring. Mm-hmm. dull dry subject that most people are oh, I can't bother with all that stuff and um one of the drivers for me is to, to not make light of things but is to find a take on it that can be accessible to more people and because I genuinely believe that small p politics is absolutely ingrained in every decision that we make you know you just have to walk out of your house and your pavement is politics and your you know everything is politics um just as everything is feminism and intersectionality and racism is in every tiny grain of our society so you can't you can ignore it if you want but it's still there so I thought I might as well use what little ability I have in terms of communicating and drawing to to spread that net further because there's we're all I think maybe getting a bit more aware of how much we're in a bubble of people that just agree with us and that the algorithms on social media feed that bubble so you're literally just talking preaching to the converted all the time and I think um the beauty of um I don't want to sound pretentious because I don't really think of myself as an artist but the beauty of art or illustration is that you can um capture something in such a accessible way and and because social media is so like flick through click click like 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 if you tried to do that in words alone you'd lose everybody but if you can do it in an image or with a few words they might stop and and read just even if it's only give you five minutes of their time and then go oh right yeah I haven't thought about it like that and that's wow that's you know pretty cool (laughs) yeah (laughs) I actually wanted to talk about politics a bit about the Boris Johnson card debacle late last year for people who don't know could you explain what happened and why it's so important to credit artists yes yes of course so um basically all that happened was i'd after the so the august we had this whole eat out to help out thing in the uk um where we were all encouraged to go and eat for half price meals and all that stuff and then basically when it the kids all went back to school in September and the um, coronavirus level started to rise and it was all like, oh, I know I shouldn't have done that. And it all became a bit hokey-cokey. So I drew this silly little illustration of Boris Johnson with a kind of uh, put your whole self in, put your whole self out, eat out, help out, shake it all about type thing. Um, And I was really pleased with it, but it was just going to be a thoughtful card design. So I uploaded onto Thoughtful, didn't think anything else about it. And I didn't um, post about it myself because I just wanted to see if it was going to make it into their um, into their uh, directory. And then obviously somebody had bought it from Thoughtful, taken what was an absolutely rubbish photo. That's part of the thing that annoyed me the most about it. It's like a really grey, badly lit photo of the front of this card. And they'd shared it on their social media and it's been shared... I mean, the last time I bothered to care about seeing how many times it had been shared, it was like over 500,000 times. I know, Tyler, I know nothing's ever been shared that much. But so this crappy picture had been shared half a million times, but obviously with no credit to me on it at all because it was the front of a card. And what I'm really careful to do in all of my social media posts is to put my logo on the bottom, like unobtrusively, but there so that 
people know who's done it. And if you'd looked on the back of the card, of course, you could see who'd done it, but who takes a photo of the front and the back of the card just to share a funny image? So it, I, I didn't feel any animosity towards the person who shared it because I thought, yeah, God, I'd probably do that. I'd probably take a photo of something I thought was funny and just share it. You don't know it's going to go viral. But it did really make me think, you know, even when you share a meme, someone has made that. It might have only taken them two minutes, but it, everything has been created by somebody. And it, it does definitely make me stop and think if I'm seeing something that I like, to try and find where it's come from and to credit the artist or the creator where possible. Because I could have had, let's be cynical about it, I could have had 250,000 people buy that card or like, or mm. even 10,000 people buy that card. Do you know what I mean? That's, it would have made all the difference. It's been a popular card still on Thoughtful and I'm not complaining particularly. It's just the, um, you know, sometimes I'll create something literally just for social media. It's got nothing to do with anything you can buy. and it gets shared and I don't get credited and whatever, but that happened to be something that could have actually made me some money, oh. but <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I actually bought it as a memento. Can you tell I'm a fan? <laughs> um, I actually bought it as a memento of this crazy lockdown period. Yeah, I someone, actually someone had um, said that to me and I, I made it into a, a print because they were saying, well, I don't really want it as a card with um, happy birthday on it because it was a, it's a stay confused happy birthday card um so i have slightly altered it and i offer oh. it as a, a print on the website now because i think yeah a few people have said i just want this framed in my toilet so oh. <laughs> yeah. so i want to talk to you about the theme of women in your work and i want to talk about the peep show piece you did for the woohoo just for fun art exhibition because that was so clever could you just explain what that was and why you thought of it yes yes i will try and remember because that is going back for I think it was 2017 so I hadn't been um, freelance for very long and a local artist to me had had asked me if I'd like to take part which is great and she just said it, it's just something that makes you laugh something that's funny was was the brief so I was like oh blimey okay um, and it was sort of this time of year and uh, obviously International Women's Day is in March um, and I thought it would be quite funny to play on the idea of you know women aren't funny and also feminism isn't interesting or funny and it's all a bit bleak and dour and humorless um and then i was i just had this idea of kind of a victorian peep show where you're expecting to see outrageous scandalous scantily clad ladies when you peep in and i thought well i'll i'll make this box on a plinth so I had an old um, lamp stand and I created a box on the front with some curtains and you and you peep through but instead of a load of Victorian ladies with their nipples out it was um, uh, a load of feminist icons so I had uh, Frida Kahlo there and um, Malala and uh, various other people just kind of going haha you know it's uh, actually it's us and the kind of play on it was that obviously these women are can still considered scandalous in their way or they certainly were in their day and are still given grief for just speaking their minds and and standing up for what they think is right and I just quite liked the the play of it I, I had some little tiny mini daily mail headlines printed out in the as the wallpaper of the the box of 
the irony of them saying, you know, get your boobs out, love. Um, and then yeah. also, oh, she's got her boobs out. How disgusting. You know, just you can't win kind of yeah. thing. Um, and I just, I like all of that. I like playing with it. And I like, um, I like the kind of wordplay and then the nonsense of it. And it was really great. I just, I'd never done anything like that before. I hadn't really done any exhibitions or anything in it. I just, yeah, spent weeks and weeks and weeks getting um, high on the fumes of spray paint in my little <laughs> tiny shed, spraying this whole thing bright, salacious red. And <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was a really cool exhibition. And I stupidly, because I didn't really have any space, I had to dismantle the whole thing afterwards. So it doesn't exist anywhere apart from photos. Aww. But I know now I wish I'd found somewhere to keep it. A shrine. Yeah. <laughs> so have you always been a feminist? I guess so. I mean, my um, parents are pretty political. Once it was explained to me, it was a bit of a, well, duh, yeah, obviously, like, who who wouldn't be kind of thing. I, I know as a teenager, it was like, oh, no, you don't need to believe in feminism because everybody's equal. It was the equivalent of, you know, all lives matter kind of stuff. Um, but I'm really keen for for my kids not to have that impression of it because... It, it should be a base level as far as I'm concerned everyone should be a feminist if you're if you're not a feminist what what's going on there's something wrong isn't there there's what are you saying you don't what is it you don't like about equality would be my <laughs> would be my rejoinder to that um so I suppose yeah since certainly since being at university I've been actively happily to calling myself a feminist and I'm as a parent quite keen that my six-year-old boy and 11 year old girl are going yep of course of course I am why wouldn't I be we do I mean genuinely we talk about um and, and have done ever since Sid was little we've talked about uh consent not in um explicit terms but in terms of like if you're being tickled if you're having a tickle fight you have if somebody else says please stop you have to stop straight away that's how that works like even if you think it's fine and you're having a fun time and it's all all right if someone asks you to stop, you stop. And we call it, we give it the words of, that's called consent. If someone consents to do it, then it's fine. And if they don't, then you stop, whether or not you think what you're doing is okay. So we try and, I, I just think, again, like with um, the racism issue, if you're black or a person of colour, you don't have any choice about whether you learn about racism. So we can't, raising our little white kiddies, there's never a too young age, I think, to, to discuss these things with them. It has to be done. Yes, yeah, so there's a running theme of fairness and doing things ethically in your business. I notice that the clothing you sell is ethically made and everything's printed on recycled paper and packaged not in cellophane. So why is that important to you when running a business? Um, yeah, I think when I realised that I would be, um, as a business, not just drawing but creating actual products, it was really, really important to me that I didn't... Um, bring stuff into the world unnecessarily, I suppose, and add to our already huge problem with lack of resources. Um, and I want, you know, I do I do genuinely think there is a market for, there's a, there's a need for in the world things that are just beautiful and make us feel happy. So I didn't feel any qualms about creating stuff necessarily. And also the same with um, clothing, you know, the fast fashion industry is appalling, but, um, T-Mill, who I used to create my T-shirts, are recycling all of the um, materials. You can send the, once you're done with your T-shirt, once it's worn out, you can send it back to them and it gets recycled back into the process again. And they use only organic cotton. And I think the more we um, 
kind of show that that's what we want as consumers, the the better. So I thought, well, if I if I want that as a consumer, and I wouldn't consider buying fast fashion, and I wouldn't, um, you know, when I buy something from a small business, I don't want it wrapped in a load of plastic because actually it just goes in the bin, doesn't it? And even if it goes, it can go into the recycling. It's just more and more waste. So I try and create in the mindset of the kind of customer I am and I use recycled packaging and I also reuse packaging so if somebody sent me something and it's a perfectly serviceable box I will send that out to a customer and write on the box this has been you know around the block hope you don't mind kind of thing and I think if we normalize that uh, then people will get used to it and think yeah why does it matter to me if this cardboard box has been to three different places already we should be thrilled about it um, and yeah, it just it makes me feel better about the fact that I'm making things if I know that they've had the least um, impact on the environment and have been as kind as possible to anybody that might have had to have done the physical producing of it before it got to me. Looking at the clothing, actually, I noticed the more than one way to be a woman T-shirts. Where did that idea come from? Well, kind of, I mean, partly uh, as a parent being you know really careful about talking about gender stereotyping and um, not wanting them to grow up with this narrow binary idea of feminine and masculine um, and also kind of the part of the community that I've become um, sort of involved when um, mainly online of, of people with all the genders you know <laughs> who are just feeling like maybe a bit marginalized and trying to be to ally myself with that and feel like okay there's we're all on a big spectrum here and you don't have to be skinny and beautiful and conventionally beautiful and all that kind of stuff to be an acceptable woman um and you don't have to have been born female to be a woman as far as i'm concerned so i i like the idea that you would kind of put your heart on your sleeve and your words on your chest literally and say I, I believe there's more than one way to be a woman and I believe that for little girls growing up, little boys growing up, you know, ch children that are going, ah, hang on a minute, I've been assigned female at birth, but actually I don't feel like that and that's okay. And, you know, I I hope that by the time our kids are my age, that this is a, a chat that we're having about things that people used to believe in the distant past rather than um, a struggle that they're still having to go through. Oh, totally. You talk a lot about community on your social media, actually, in your, in your blogs. Why do you think community is important to women? And are you part of any women-centric communities online? I'm not specifically just women only. Oh, maybe I am. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think... God, it's, a community's just the best in all its, all its forms. I think that's one of the things that's been... A silver lining of the pandemic in a way we community in our local um area has, has been amazing just little you know facebook groups and people looking out for each other and putting up notices in their window and all the rainbows and all that stuff of like actually we are here for each other and um i find it far more uh invigorating to have chats with people uh, as I don't know, maybe it maybe it's something to do, to do with having been in the public sector before. I'm not a natural 
business person, I don't think, in the sense that I thought it meant. So I'm not that bothered about selling, selling, selling all the time. I would much rather get to know people and connect with them and have stuff in common and maybe lose a few potential customers on the way if it meant that my people were the people that were commissioning me or buying from me or wanting me to design something for them because then I'm doing it for people with shared values and that means more to me than just raking in the bucks I guess and I just yeah women only I mean there's plenty in my in my friendship circles it it does seem to go like that that I have some really really close female friends but in terms of online spaces I don't think I'm a part of any particular exclusively women communities this is a podcast about women's stories. Is there a woman or women in your life who inspired you or supported you along the way? Yeah, now I'm going to be a massive cliche because I expect this is what everybody says. But it's going to have to be my mum. Um, and not just because you're supposed to say that and I'll make her listen to this, but um, <laughs> she's just the best. She's one of the best people anyone could ever meet and lots of people she lives locally now as well with my dad um which is lovely uh lots of my friends are friends with her and they all say oh you're so lucky you're so lucky and you know you have to fob that off and go oh no she's a nightmare it's like no i know i'm really lucky she is amazing she's she was a head teacher of a primary school um and brilliant at it and used to write uh, all the plays that would be performed at the school and she's a brilliant artist and so creative and she's got boundless energy and ideas and she's funny she's so funny um and, I, and her and dad have been a continual support I was worried when I said look I'm I'm going to stop teaching I'm not happy um because they're both teachers you know we're a family of teachers and I thought it would be a disappointment and they were just thrilled for me. They were so supportive. And it must have been nerve-wracking thinking, there's no pension, what the hell's she doing? <laughs> um, but they just wanted, genuinely wanted me to feel happy and fulfilled and knew that I'd been really desperately quite unhappy in my, in my last teaching job. And they were just like, actually, go for it. Just do it. You can do this. We believe in you. And I was pretty crap at the beginning. I was, I do, did, I've learnt a lot in the last few years I'm way way better at it now than I was then but they just knew that they have I suppose they've had faith in my ability to turn things around and to go for it and I've just had that as a as a grounding throughout really just knowing that um I had this very clever funny inspirational woman right around the corner who would constantly be delighted to hear my boring news and um cheer me along and buy my stuff when no one else did and and still buy myself now as well bless her turn up oh, at my doorstep she... demanding pins and prints <laughs> oh she sounds amazing she's ace she's what's her name vicky johnson she is a boss in Very all cool. possible senses so what's on the horizon for you now and rosie johnson illustrates yeah well I mean to a certain extent who knows but also um uh I'm doing I'm I'm hoping to get done the uh the pride ambulance for the southwest so for Devon and Cornwall um ambulance service have asked me to design 
the whatever the vehicle is called that goes along with the ambulance when they go to festivals when such a thing will be open again um and they're cool pride ambulance with uh real diversity and groovy images on is something that i'm in the middle of or wow. at the beginning of designing now so that's lovely that's a really nice job um i'm uh starting a book for somebody else some illustrations for a book i've got lots of little bits and pieces on the go some product ideas on the go and I hope that the horizon holds lots of things I just get to say yes to and then work out how to do them after. <laughs> Perfect. And if someone wanted to help, go and have a look at your work, where can they find you? I'm on Instagram at Rosie Johnson Illustrates and my website is rosiejohnsonillustrates.com. I kind of am on Facebook, but really badly. So probably not the best place to come find me, but those two main places, I will be there. Come and say hi. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Lovely to be invited. There you have it. A lovely chat with Rosie there, full of knowledge and humour. What I love about what Rosie's doing is that she's all about bringing her personal and political insights into her work, and much of it is about equality and fairness. And again, for women, but for everyone really. I know this podcast is about women, but I'm very adamant that a fairer society for women is a fairer society for everyone in my belief. And again, this has been a story of a woman who overcame obstacles and then found her own path, even if it's scary to make that leap. Like Anna and Debbie and Sam and Stacy, she's doing her own thing, but also trying to make the world a better place. And it's essential that women keep supporting women doing this. I think that's really important. So go find Rosie's website or Instagram. I'll put the links in the show notes to show you what she does. I also think it's awesome that Rosie chose her mum as the inspirational woman in her life. It makes me want to do a series about mums and daughters, actually. And I actually need to write that idea down. Well, that's the end of this series. I started a new job last week and have Wednesdays off with my little man Jasper, which is lovely. I was actually really dreading being a working mum, to be honest, because I couldn't work out how you managed to fit it all in. I think you have to start realising that you can't. Life is not about having it all, it's about juggling all these balls and knowing that sometimes something's a priority and other things have to give. So, yep, I've joined the juggle. So I think the point I'm trying to make and trying to get to is that I will definitely be back with a new series but this time I think I'm going to pre-record a few interviews so that I have them ready to go and I'm not stressing about them getting them edited in time uh, to come out weekly because now I have even less time. I can't wait to, for you to hear the bonus episode in a few weeks time. She is a real change maker, the, lit, the woman who's coming on and someone who is definitely going far. I shall reveal all soon. And for the next series, I'm talking to contemporary female adventurers. So I hope you'll join me again. And thank you again for listening. As ever, please rate, review and subscribe. And until then, till um, I think the next episode will be out late March, early April. I'll see you then. Bye.